are listening to the Grace of Bel Air Sermon Podcast. Grace exists to help people discover a life of purpose in Jesus Christ through discipleship and serving one another. For additional information, you can visit us online at www.graceofbelair.com. And now, we invite you to enjoy this week's sermon. just excited to uh, share God's word with you this morning, what the Lord may say to us through his word. And uh, I believe the Lord is going to speak to your life. And uh, through this passage of scripture, we're going to be looking at today found in Galatians chapter five. Uh, We started a new series last week about people of the spirit. Uh, And so we are are walking through some some things that the Bible has a lot to say about. And some of these are terms that maybe you've heard before. Um, and it, hopefully today it will provide some clarity and appreciation to what it really means. Um, and so this morning as we look at it, we, we just look forward to talking about today's title, which is called The Spirit-Led Life. Everybody say, Spirit-Led. Spirit-Led Life. I've always asked that question, what does Spirit-Led Life mean? Because I've heard it, I've grown up in church, if you've grown up in church, maybe you've heard this phrase a lot, and I always like always have these moments where I catch words or phrases that are often used in church, and I just simply ask the question, what does that even mean? And it's not a, a perception of criticism over that. It's more so for me, I want to learn so that I can gain a deeper appreciation for it. And so this is why we're going to be talking about what we're going to be talking about today, is about what does the Spirit-led life actually look like? And Paul's going to have a lot to say about it uh, when it comes to the spirit-led life, and he's going to talk about it at a church in Galatia, and so uh, telling them and how, and how they can start making right decisions and choices within the, the body of Christ, what we call the church, the people of the church, uh, is what we would say, is that the church is the people of God. And so it, this is our main point today, is that the Holy Spirit is going to guide us to do what is right. The Holy Spirit is going to guide us to do what is right. And uh, as, a, as a child, you have parents that maybe have taught you or, or, or grandparents or, or whatever the case may be, teaching you what to do and how to do things the right way. That is the, that is the responsibility of somebody like that, a parent or a family member, to help you grow to do what is right. And, uh, and so often, the best lessons are learned through failure. How many of you know that? Like... It, it, and I've learned through many different lessons, failure. Uh, I learned a lot through failure. And so um, my, many of you know my story. I grew up in Indiana. My, my parents were pastors there for many years. Uh, they're now in Virginia pastoring. But uh, when I was in Indiana as a kid, I was about six or seven years old. I was in kids ministry uh, service. And my friend Fitz and I had this brilliant idea that we've never done this before, but we decided to do it together, right? Because it's easier to become more rebellious when you have another person with you. Um, And so Fitz and I thought, you know what? Let's try something we've never tried before. Let's skip church, right? And so we knew, uh, you know, so I mean, I can only imagine how my parents had to explain that. The pastor's kid is now skipping church, and he's at the church building, but he's finding a way to skip church, right? Uh, God bless my parents. Uh, And so... 
We, we were hiding in a room, just hanging out, having fun. We didn't think nobody was going to find us or catch us. And of course, somebody finds you, right? You get 90% of the way there, and you're like, we almost made it to the end. And then we get caught. And of course, my parents find out, and they come to me, and they say, hey, you know what you did was wrong. Uh, you need to go make things right. You need to go talk to uh, our kids' pastor at the time was Pastor Tom. And so I went to Pastor Tom. I said, Pastor Tom, I'm so sorry. I skipped your service today. I'm so sorry. And he was kind. He was gracious to, to me and, and my friend Fitz. And so um, next week comes around. And uh, it was very accustomed in that, in that church to have like an altar call response up front for like if you want to get prayer, the kids would come forward and all that. And guess who the first two people were on that particular Sunday? Fitz and myself. We went all the way forward and Jesus loved on us. It was amazing. Uh, and so I learned a very valuable lesson today or that day is that you don't skip church. All right. <laughs> so, uh, and so in Galatians chapter five, we're going to be talking this morning about how to operate and make decisions that the Lord is pleased with as a group of believers, as a local congregation. Because what was happening in Galatia, uh, this church is, is experiencing uh, a lot of disunity. And I, I think it's fascinating that you look at this passage of Scripture when we talk about the Spirit-led life, how the Apostle Paul relates it to unity in the body of Christ. He says it's directly related. It is not separate. It's actually related. I find that to be fascinating is that he takes, you know, that phrase, you know, you need to be spirit-led, right? All that stuff. What does that actually mean? Is that the spirit will guide you to be unified in the church, in the body of Christ. And so he's going to provide some, some practical steps. And what I love is that he pretty much, it gives us a formula and how we evaluate whether or not we're living by the spirit or living by the flesh. What he means by the flesh in this passage is simply this, is that it's outside of God's will. It's something that you are doing that, God's, that is outside of God's will. The Bible clearly tells us to do, and we decide to do the exact opposite, in other words. So you'll hear that word in this passage of Scripture. And so in Galatians uh, chapter 5, verses 13 through 26, they're experiencing a number of different uh, difficulties. Uh, you have Jewish people. You have uh, Gentiles that are involved in this area of the world. Um, and what they... Uh, what they are doing is they're combating over traditions, they're combating over preferences, they're combating over convictions that they personally have over certain subjects. And so what, what he is going to address here is how we respond to that so that the unity in the body of Christ remains intact and remains stronger than ever. And so the churches all over the world, you will see uh, a number of different times, incredible unity amongst the churches all over the world. Like what, we've, like what we've talked about at the offering time, about how churches came together and they said, you know what, we want to help Convoy of Hope to respond to a, a disaster, a crisis that's taking place in Ukraine. That's the church of Jesus Christ coming together. It's beautiful to see that happen. But we've also seen so many times disunity in the church, not just as, as, as group of churches, but also local We've seen it over and over and over again. And so Paul is concerned. This is not a joy that Paul gets out of this to talk about this kind of a subject because he's going to get in their business. How many of you know when you read the Bible, the Bible gets in your business, right? It's like he, he, there's going to be some things that are going to get addressed that are going to be very hard at times to receive. 
And so uh, even as I've known about this passage, study it over and over again, it's, it's truly, it really does get in your business. And uh, it talks about some things that what he really is going to help us with, the first point, is discerning the battle within. Everybody say discern. What I mean by that word is, or what I mean by that point, discerning the battle within, is not discerning the battle within everybody else, right? Because we're good at that. I'm good at that. You're good at that. We're all good at that, right? That's, a, that's an easy thing for us. But Paul is really going to be talking about discerning the battle within your own life, is what is going on in me? What is happening in me? It's good to know yourself. And there are going to be times that you think you know yourself, but then God knows you better than your own self. If you don't believe me, ask the disciple Peter, one of Jesus' 12 disciples, who thought he would never deny Christ three times and actually said to Jesus, Jesus, I don't know what you're talking about. I am never going to deny you to anybody. And that very night, he does it. So it's a very clear teaching about discerning the battle within. And you're going to understand after this that, humanly speaking, this is impossible for us to do on our own. But you're going to need the Spirit of God to do what we cannot do. And so Paul is going to give us really a way to show us. You know, if you, if you read this passage of Scripture, it, it's really crucial. You hear the fruits of the Spirit in there, love, joy, peace, patience, all those different characteristics. It's super important. Then you hear right before that, there's a bunch of characteristics that are, I would say, like a negative, sinful characteristics. They're going to be very important to know about. But the passage is not, is, is, is using that, yes, but the buildup of that is what is crucial. What leads to it? That's what it will equal. Everybody follow? Paul is actually going to give you really what I would call a formula that leads to that, to both. And so he's going to show us what happens when we operate in the flesh and when we operate in the Spirit of God. He's going to give us some clear guidelines here. And, that, and he's really giving it, obviously, to the church in Galatia through what they're facing when it comes to a number of different topics. And so let's begin. The first part is discerning the battle within. Verse 13, he says this, You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love, for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out, or you will be destroyed by each other. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh, for the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They're in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under law. And so what Paul, right at the start, at this point, Paul is talking about our freedom in Christ. And we've mentioned this in our series on Romans, how, how we have freedoms in Christ. Like there are certain things that are not an issue with us. There's a lot of different uh, things that are listed in the Bible that we would say are very clear. They're God's commands, right? But there are going to be certain things that you will not find specifically enough in the Bible that will address every single little thing, right? And so what Paul says in this moment is that we respond with convictions but we also respect one another and their convictions. In other words, what Paul is, is, has faced many different times in many different churches is that there are times with what we, like for example for them, is what they ate, what they drank, the environments they went to, the things they would do, all these different things that would be, uh, for somebody, they could be disciplined in in all of those areas. But for somebody else, they may not be as disciplined in that area. And so it's a conviction that they don't want to do that simply because of maybe a struggle they've had with that. Paul says a believer 
can actually, or actually I should say, the enemy of our soul, the devil, can use that freedom and use it against that believer who may be weaker in an area of their life. And they will use a believer's freedom to do just that. So in other words, if I have a conviction about something, about what I eat, what I drink, or whatever I go to, and what I see, what I watch, or whatever the case may be, and somebody else who's a believer who's like, I don't know why he's got that problem. Like, I just don't understand it. Like, I feel like it's fine. And so he just needs to get over it. So we're going to do this. We're going to watch this. We're going to drink this. And he just needs to get over himself. That is a classic example of how the enemy can use a freedom of a believer to actually entrap that believer who's weaker in that area to actually start sinning against God. And they can end up going back to a former behavior. Does everybody follow me on that one? So that's what Paul is saying is like, hey, you've been called to be free, but do not use your freedom to hurt another believer. He says, be cautious. Know one another well. This is why it's so important when we, in, we get involved and we invest in the church. That's how you get to know one another. Because honestly, we, there are going to be things that we'll know about each other that are going to be important that we help each other out with. But there are going to be a lot of things we don't know about you. And there's going to be things that you get offended about that we didn't know we were offending you about. But if we don't know you, how many know it's a little hard? Right? And so this is why it's so crucial to be invested into the body of Christ, into a church, so that we can get to know each other and grow and learn together and, and help one another out. This is why Paul addresses these things. And it's happened throughout all the churches that he has often started up. And so he addresses this in this church of Galatia. Because when it comes to convictions, traditions, methods, styles, preferences, whatever you want to call it, we all can understand this, that especially with convictions, we are called to respect one another. That's why he uses the, word, the phrase, you know, love your neighbor as yourself. This is a clear teaching when Jesus was asked, um, when it came to the, the summing up the law, the Old Testament law, he, said, he was asked this question, Jesus, what's the most important law out of all the laws that are mentioned in this Old Testament? Jesus said, well, it's simple. You love God and you love people. They're connected to each other. They're connected to each other. So Paul mentions here, love your neighbor as yourself. Same thing. Love your neighbor as yourself. So when I want somebody to respect my convictions, how many know I should respect their convictions? Loving your neighbor as yourself. You learn to do that through serving one another, Paul is saying, which is humility, serving one another. You are, you are not, just, you know, when it comes to service, it's not just doing something for somebody. It's not just doing something for somebody. It's about being. It's about who you are. The greatest call for a Christian in all the world is not pastor. It's servant. That's the greatest call. We are called to serve. Jesus says, I did not come to this world to be served. I came to serve you. What a flip of a script, right? He flips the script completely and says, no, 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 no. I am a servant unto you. And so Jesus gives us the, the greatest example of doing that. And so Paul is saying, hey, serve one another in love. Because how many know you can serve but not love? I can do this for you, but in my heart, I'm really mad at you right now, right? It's like... Paul's, I love how he gets specific. He's like, serve one another in love. I love how he has to put that in there for the Galatian church, right? Um, and so unity, what is unity? Unity is not uniformity, where we all vote the same, everybody's got to think the same, talk the same, look the same, all these different things. How many know that's what the world wants? Uniformity. You either believe me and you follow in my path. If you don't, you are, you are a terrible person. Get out, right? What Jesus taught us is learning how to be unified 
even through disagreements, even through different traditions, even through different preferences, even through different convictions, Jesus teaches us how we can stay unified in the midst of all of that. And this is what Jesus will say, that when it comes to his disciples, he would say this to them. He said, people are going to know you're my disciple based off of your love for one another. Love is connected to unity. So powerful, so clear. Bible is teaching the importance of love, the importance of being spirit-led, and it's all connected to uh, this word called unity. So we know this, that unity is not uniformity, but it's being willing to move forward despite preferences, despite disagreements, despite questions. You know, this is why it's so crucial. Yes, questions can be asked. Yes, we can debate over things. Yes, these are all things that can be healthy, but it's when we take those things and we declare war on another believer or we declare war on a church. How many understand there's a difference? The Bible says there will be disagreements, there will be debates. Paul debated with people. How many of you saw that? Paul debated with people, but Paul shows us how to handle it in that moment because what did people do? They declared war on Paul. They're hunting him down and they want him dead. How many know that's the improper response? So Paul is showing us the fruit of what happens when we love one another in humility and when we declare war on a brother or sister in Christ or the body of Christ, the church, whatever, however you want to say it. Paul says this, this is what's going to happen. It says, what's going to happen when you declare war is you're going to actually devour that person. And what's going to happen to you as a believer is that you are then going to be devoured. Because why? the Bible's very clear, you reap what you sow. Jesus used that as a clear illustration. So if I'm devouring people, Jesus says, in return, somebody's going to devour you. It's such a, I mean, you can see this in the sports world, like where there's athletes who are an amazing athletes, but then there's always another athlete that rises up and becomes better, right? It's like, even though no matter how good that person can get at a sport, there's always going to be somebody that's pushing to be better than that individual, right? It's like, it's like it, 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 there's always going to be somebody better, stronger, faster, and just more clever in the way they do things. In the same way, when it comes to devouring people, there's always going to be something that happens that will be stronger, it'll be more crafty, but it will happen. That's what Paul says. It will happen to you if you're not careful. And so Paul is going to continue uh, with this teaching about how to not be that way and how, why he calls it being spirit-led. So when it comes to what happened in Galatia, they were devouring each other over traditions, preferences, uh, disagreements, convictions, all these different things. So Paul says this, as a Christian, I am called to live by the Spirit. Everybody say by. By the Spirit. So when, when Paul uses the word by the Spirit versus what it looks like within the flesh, this is what he's meaning, what he's talking about. If I live by the flesh, it becomes about who is right. When it comes to living by the Spirit, it becomes about what is right. How many know two different things? Who is right versus what is right? When it becomes about who is right, I love it when I use, uh, I love sports analogies, but I love it when it becomes about who is right because you see it clear as day. It's for example, if you uh, follow sports and you have all these guys debating on, on TV and about like who's the best team, who's the best player, and then like a team wins the championship and they're still talking about it, like who's the best team. And, and I love it when like you can just tell like when somebody's like 
making about who is right rather than about what is right. Because when it comes at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter what you think. The team that is best is the one that's holding the trophy and smiling at the camera, right? It doesn't matter what you think, right? But then you see it over and over. They're like, I don't think they're the best team. Like, no, 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 no. They're holding the trophy in their hand. Like, it's pretty clear as day. It's a matter of fact, all right? And so then you start to realize, oh, this person is making about who is right, not about what is right. And as I was reading about this, uh, uh, one of the theologians, he said, one of the, in his world, he was saying one of the hardest things for theologians to do is to admit when they're wrong, especially when it comes to a biblical truth. Because you know why? Because a lot of times they have to cancel out their books that they wrote about certain biblical truths that they thought were biblical truths. And now that they realize it's no longer a biblical truth, they were wrong, they don't want to go back and change it all because that tears down their reputation. So now it then becomes about who is right rather than about what is right. In other words, they don't want to swallow their pride, all right? And this happens to us, where we, we were convinced of something, and then now we start to realize maybe it's not as convincing as we once thought, but rather than talking about what is right, we just declare it, it is who is right. And when you make it about who is right, you declare war on anybody that has a different opinion. And the Bible is very clear. It says, Paul says, if that happens, he's going to give you the fruit of what will happen to you as a believer. And so, but then he'll obviously tell us about what is right. So when it says live by the Spirit, when you make it about what is right, guess who's in charge? The Spirit. When you make it about who is right, guess who's in charge? You and me. When we make it about who is right, it's about you and me. It's not about the Spirit. It's about us, man-centered Paul says if you operate that in that, that's what we call operating in the flesh. But when you live by the Spirit, when it comes to a number of different topics, I'm not talking about like obvious biblical truths. Everybody understand that? I'm talking about traditions. I'm talking about preferences. I'm talking about disagreements. I'm talking about a number of different things. When it comes to things that we can't clearly say, you know, whether or not which way to lean, this is where we rely on the Spirit of God to help us to do what is right. Paul is saying on those kinds of issues, who are you guided by? Am I guided by myself? This is why it's so important. I say discern the battle within you. Discern the battle within you. What is happening? Why do I respond that way? And let, and let me tell you something. You know, you know, I don't want people to feel like you know, terrible individuals in the room. Because guess what? This is an area of your life where you will continue to grow in. You will always be growing in it. But it's so important to discern the battle within you. And what you feed will grow. And so it's so crucial to discern this battle within you. And because and, when you leave, or leave it at the, the foot of the cross or you put it before Jesus and you say, Lord, I'm trying my best in this particular area of my life, but I just, you know, I want this to happen this way. And, but Lord, if it doesn't happen that way, I'm okay. I'm okay. It's not going to destroy me. I'm okay. And I love like how the Bible can use spiritual principles within the church. And do you know you can use this in your workplace? Do you know you can use this in a number of different ways with your coworkers and your bosses and all these different things? So that when it comes to, like, for example, for me, if it, it, you know, when it comes to different preferences and ways of doing things, decisions being made, eventually there may come a point where I have to default to who I'm going to trust. And guess who that person is? Pastor Paul is the lead pastor right? God put him in that position of authority. So what do I do? I default and I say, hey, you know what? God put him in a, in a role for a reason. And so I trust. 
I, I leave it at his decision. And that's a practical way for me. And you can obviously apply it to your own context as far as, hey, you know what? We may have different things that we may uh, agree or disagree on. I'm not talking about biblical truth. We'll get there. But when it comes to these kinds of preferences of things, I can learn to just trust. And just because remember Paul says this in Romans about how we're to pray for our leaders and be uh, in submission to our authority figures. And guess who Paul is writing to is, is the Roman church. And guess who's in charge of Rome is Nero. And guess what Nero did? He was crucifying Christians, lighting them up and putting them as a light for a dinner party. How many know that's, that would be probably, the, we think we get difficult teaching. How many know that would probably be the most difficult teaching of all is to receive that? Because the Bible is very clear. It says God will place authority here, but he will also take authority away. And this is where you and I be like, well, how does this work? Well, how does that work? This is where you say, you know what? I'm going to trust God. Because if it, you can't have every question answered because you know why? Because then you're not living by faith anymore. You're living off of your own personal facts. There comes a point where you can't find out everything the way that you want to find out. At some point, it, you will come to the crossroads of trusting, of having to place your trust in God or yourself. It will come, there will come a moment, and it will continue to happen. And so it's so important that you and I make that very clear. Now, people will say, well, then that's just giving the authority to do whatever they want. That's just, it's just a cop-out. No, 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 no. The Bible says very clearly that authority figures will be held more accountable to anything. So as a pastor, it's quite frightening. Okay, it's like, it keeps me in check. It's like, okay, like, I've got to be reminded of that. It's like, hey, no, this is, this, God's telling me I'm going to be held to a higher standard on these things. So it's not necessarily uh, let me do whatever I want. It's no, 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 no. It's, it can be quite frightening. And so it's important when we do this, when it comes to operating in the spirit, we learn to do what is right, not about who is right. This will help us in guiding. This is what the Spirit of God will do to guide us to do in what is right. The second point is this, is live in step with the Spirit. Say by, everybody say, in step. It's going to be an important word that he will mention. It says, the acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. So when it comes to, when it comes to these characteristics, like I said, this is the buildup to these characteristics. Everybody follow? It is the buildup. What he's saying is if you live by the flesh, you are under law. If, if we remember what that phrase was like in the book of Romans, the law is based off of you and your own human effort. Everybody follow that? So when he uses that phrase under law, he is saying you are now operating in the flesh, which means it's based off of what you do is right and you trying to earn your way to heaven. And the Bible is very clear. If I'm going to live in a, in a life that pleases God, I've got to be a person that is living by the Spirit. Because when he's in charge, I lay down certain things. I will lay it down because he's in charge. I live by it. But if I don't, then I'm saying this is basically all up to me and how I earn it. 
And, if, and Paul says, it's going to be impossible. Trust me. You're not going to earn it. You're not going to earn your way to heaven. It's impossible. So it's so critical when you live and you surrender your life to Jesus Christ. There's a moment where you say, I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm going to surrender my life. I'm going to confess he is Lord. I'm going to believe in my heart that he's risen from the dead. The Bible says, then you will be saved. There is a moment there that God is entering your life right there at that very moment. But then he's going to take you on a process and he's going to change you from the inside out over the rest of your life. It is a continuation also. And so what happens is a lot of times when people say, yeah, I'm spirit led, they treat it as a title, not as a lifestyle. The spirit led life is a lifestyle. I tell people about Jesus, not because it's something I do. It's who I am. I serve people, not because I, that's just something I do. No, I am a servant. That's who I am. It's my identity I put on every single day. I put it on. I have to. Because I don't want to operate in the flesh. I want to grow in the ways of the Spirit, the Spirit of God that helps me in my weaknesses, that, that helps me to build His church, that helps me to reach people that I am surrounded by that don't know Christ. It's who I am. It's not just something I do. It's a part of my life. It is my life. It's everything to me. And so I love what Paul says when it comes to living as a believer as the Lord, for the Lord Jesus Christ, as a follower of Jesus, he says the sins are obvious. Everybody say obvious. <laughs> how many know what obvious means? It, means? it means literally obvious. I love how Paul gets very, very strategic and specific about this. He says it's not rocket science. You don't have to evaluate it too much. You just got to look at it and say, yep, know what that means. Yep, I understand that. Because what happens is it doesn't become more obvious the more we, we decide, no, nah, I don't want to do that. I want to be disobedient. You eventually start to become numb to the conviction. You eventually start to become numb to the voice of God. So it no longer becomes obvious anymore. Paul says, as a believer, if you call yourself a Christian and you are living by the Spirit, the acts of the sinful nature are going to be completely obvious. It's going to be obvious to us. And so what he desires and what God desires for us to do is to live by the Spirit. And so he's going to help us with this. And so how, basically, how does this formula work, Pastor Bobby, that he's talking about? I'll, I'll tell you how it works. So I'm going to give you some examples here. Now, these are common examples that I've been in ministry for a while, and these are common examples I hear all the time, okay? So I'm using very common examples. At the same time, too, I know I can evaluate everybody's situation in context. Everybody understand that? So I'm using very common examples that I've heard from many pastors, many different churches, you know, all, the like, all of that. Uh, so, so let's say you have a conviction, preference, tradition, style, but you decide to make it gospel. In other words, you decide that it's scripture, it's a biblical truth, when it's not a biblical truth. It is a preference, it is a tradition, it is a, uh, a, a strategy you have that's just different, Okay. What can happen? What Paul is basically saying is this. When you decide that that is biblical and gospel and you have, everybody else has to fall in line, you know what Paul is saying? You're going to start to operate in the flesh. And then you're actually going to take that and instead of, the, instead of understanding that it's not necessarily a biblical truth, it's more of a, con, a conviction, a, a choice, a preference, a method, all these different things. When you make that and you twist it that way, what's going to happen is this. Is Paul is saying... Man, you're really, you're really going to be operating in the flesh. You're really going to be operating in the flesh, and you're going to declare war on a believer. 
you're going to declare war on a church. How many know that's a dangerous thing to do? And this is what Paul says. Here is the fruit of living by the flesh, is those lists. Now, how many know there's, there could be many things added to this list? Paul is giving us examples. There are other fruits of the Spirit you could say, justice, mercy, grace, you know, all these different things. There are other, Paul is just giving us a method to evaluate within. Not saying evaluate everybody else. I'm saying evaluate within what we are operating in as, as, a, as a believer. Am I operating in the flesh in this moment or am I operating in the Spirit in this moment? Paul says, so for example, there are a number of things that people can have, disagreements about convictions, preferences, traditions, uh, a number of different things. And if you're not careful, you'll declare war. And what Paul says will happen is you'll start discord. You'll start then what he calls faction. It is a small group of people that decide on the exact same things about these preferences, styles, methods. And they, they decide to make, it about, make that the actual mission. And I've seen this a number of different times. Well, they'll then separate themselves from the church. Then they'll start a new church based off of a preference, style, tradition, a number of different things. And this is what happens. Paul says, you are causing discord, and now you're devouring the church, and now you are now going to reap the fruits of that decision. I have seen it too many times where that happens. It's not based off of biblical truth. It's based off of style, preferences, things the like. And what happens is they start the church, and it's not based off of biblical script, uh, truth, it's based off of traditions and styles. And eventually, at some point, the doors close. Trust me, Paul does not take any joy talking about that. He does not take any joy. I've seen it happen all over where that continuously can happen. Because we all know this. I grew up in, not grew up, but I went to school in Springfield, Missouri. It's the Assemblies of God, our denomination, where their headquarters is. No joke. You can go one block and there'll be seven to ten churches. No joke. I'm not kidding. They're everywhere. There's more of them than probably fast food restaurants. I'm not kidding. It is unbelievable. There's a lot of them. But it can also be very dangerous in the sense that for a believer, because you can go to one church and say, I don't like that. I don't like what they're talking about up front. So guess what? You go to the next church. Oh, I don't like that. I don't like what they're talking about up there. So you go on to the next church. Well, I don't like that. You, you see the pattern? But Paul says, it's going to follow you. And you're going to attract those kinds of people. Right? And so Paul says very carefully is that we make it about biblical truth. That's the, that's the key. So what is biblical truth? So if I would stand up here and I would say, Jesus is not the only way to heaven. How many know I just went against biblical truth? Right? Now, I do believe Jesus is the only way to heaven. Okay? But let's just be clear. But I'm saying, hypothetically speaking, that if somebody got up here and says, Jesus is not the only way to heaven, I just went against the biblical truth. Paul says separate immediately from that. Because they just went against a hardcore fact about what Jesus has said. So there's a number of other things where it says, well, heaven, or, heaven is real, but hell is not. How many know you just went against a biblical truth? Because Jesus is very clear, hell is real. He's, in fact, he talks about it more than anybody, which is amazing. So if anybody would know, it'd be him. He talks about it more than anybody. So if I go against that fact that Jesus has stated, Bible says separate, get away from that. Because eventually, they're going to get devoured because of what they're sowing into their life. It's going to happen. It's only a matter of time. And so then it, there, could be a, there could be other things. I'm just using a number of different examples. Creation, 
It could be about marriage. It could be about second coming of Christ. It can be, and we believe here, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is a biblical truth. We really do believe that as the Assemblies of God, and we'll hear about that in a couple weeks. But the Bible is very clear is that when they received that day on Pentecost, when they received the baptism of the Holy Spirit in that moment, where were they? They were in a room. Were they isolated from each other? No, 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 no. They were together, which showed unity. When a church is unified, the Spirit of God is strong. The Spirit of God can operate. The Spirit of God can do extraordinary miracles, things that we cannot explain. It is truly fascinating. And so what Paul, and remember what, what, what Jesus said. He said, wait. Why did Jesus say wait? Wait for the promise of the Father. Why did Jesus say wait? Because he wanted them to get unified. He wanted their hearts to align. He wanted them to come together and to be one. And when they were starting to align with, by the Spirit, God did some amazing miracles. And God poured it out on that church in Acts that we will read about. And it was fascinating to see what happened as a result. So it is so important that it becomes about biblical truth. And so, like I said, there are many different examples I can give to you. I'm just giving you one. So discerning, you have to discern on your situation and your context. Now, there's another one where I've, I've heard a lot uh, over the years is that when you say, for example, I want to go to, I want to serve in this ministry. Pastor, I want to serve in this ministry. Okay, cool. Hey, um, I think this might not be the right season for you to do that. I think there's a better way that you can serve the church right now, and I think you should go here. And I just, I just, that's what is what I feel. And I think you have value there if you would do it. Here's what I've seen over and over and over again, is that they then go and start telling other people, again, these are examples all over the country, all over the world. They'll then go, can you believe that? The church doesn't want me to serve. The church doesn't want me to serve anywhere. This is unbelievable. I don't, I can't go there. They don't want me to serve. How many know that's not what was said? What, what was their issue? Who was right? They don't want to submit to authority, in other words. You may think, well, that just gives you a cop-out. No, 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 no. I am called to shepherd the flock, right? A pastor, that's what a pastor is supposed to do. I'm supposed to do what's best for the church, for the whole. It doesn't mean that you can't serve there, but what if there's just a season where there needs to be some growth so that when you get placed there, you handle it well. Because my job is to make sure you thrive in your areas of ministry. Correct? And at, who, at parents in the room, you understand this. You do things that is best for your child and where they, wanna, they can grow the most. You do not put your child in, a, in something where you just want them to crumble and fail. And that's, not, like, that's not your strategy. So yes, you will decide on certain things that your child may disagree with. But you know that you're doing it with the best intentions at heart for that child. The same results can happen in, in areas of leadership. And I'm not just talking about church leadership. This can be leadership all over the world. There are times where you have to, and you and I have to lay down our preferences and say, you know what? I'm going to trust. I'm going to trust. And just believe that this is the right way to go. It's your default it's like, okay, I'm going to default my preference. I'm going to default my tradition. I'm going to default my method to the person that's in authority so that I will grow in the ways of the Spirit. Paul says, if you do that, watch how the Spirit of God and the fruits of the Spirit will overflow 
into your very life. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be attractive to people. And it, people are going to want to know why you're able to operate the way you operate with people who are surrounded, that surround you who are in, maybe have disagreements about things. And you're still able to do it? Paul says it will be fascinating to you because this is what you are doing. How do, how do you continue to produce the Spirit of God, the fruits of the Spirit in your life? Well, he tells us that. I'm glad you asked that question this morning. He tells us exactly how to do it. He says, and Jesus will say this. Remember Jesus says, pick up your cross every once in a while and follow me? No. Just making sure you're paying attention. All right. Jesus says, pick up your cross daily and follow me. It's a daily choice. It's a daily laying down of my rights. Daily operating in the Spirit of God. Because I want to live by the Spirit. I want to be a person who's Spirit-led because I don't want to live by my flesh because I know the results. And so it's a daily choice. Paul will say this in the same way, but in a, in a different phrase. Walk in step with the Spirit. How many know the Spirit of God is not idled on Sundays? He's not just sitting still, twiddling his thumbs. Spirit of God is not idled on Wednesday or Thursday or Friday or Saturday. He's not idled. He is always moving, right? And if something's moving and I want to follow it, how many know I better keep up? <laughs> so he says, be in step with the Spirit. So I'm living by the Spirit, but I'm also in step with the Spirit, which means the Spirit's in authority over my life, and if I am for real about that, I will walk in step with the Spirit. In other words, what's my next instruction, Spirit of God? What's your instructions when you get up tomorrow morning Ask this question, Spirit of God, what are your instructions for my Monday? What are my instructions for today? Wake up on Tuesday, Spirit of God, what are your instructions for me today? Wednesday morning, Spirit of God, what are my instructions for today? Thursday, Spirit of God, what are your instructions for today? Do you get the picture? It is, it is about a daily walk. It is not a title. It is a lifestyle, Right? It's so fascinating. You get to grow in this. It's not, it's not coming to a moment where you're perfect at all this. Trust me, I am not perfect in this at all. This is just things I'm learning as I'm dis discerning my own life, discerning my own motives, discerning my own ways and methods and strategies and saying, you know what? It's not by might. It's not by power. It's going to be by His Spirit. And so I just want to know, Spirit of God, what are you doing? And I want to be in step with you today. It's so critical that you and I do that. Because Paul says this is what will happen eventually if we're not careful. When, because eventually you'll start to live your life as at, about being who you are. In other words, you're making it all about who you are and who's, who's it about rather than what is right. And so Paul says this. This is what will happen if you're not careful. He says this. Let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying each other. I'm going to close with this. I don't have the band come. I was getting in my car this morning. And... Uh, I saw this big old spider web on my car, and I thought, of, I thought I could do something. I could just, you know, knock the web down and let the spider just go on its way. And the other thing that crossed my mind for some weird reason was like, I could give this, this spider a migraine today. And what I mean by that is I could get in my car, and I can just drive that car and watch the spider go like that all the way. <laughs> so when I, it's just thoughts that cross my mind, folks. <laughs> I have fun. That's right. Learn to have fun with yourself. Uh, 
So I'm driving along, and there he is, going up and down. He's getting a migraine, right? Eventually he flew off, and I don't know where he is today, but hopefully he's still alive. Um, and so, but what, but what Paul is saying, I use that as a silly way just to, to talk about. What Paul is saying is, is if we're not careful, that can be what our life is about. It's just about competitions with one another. It just becomes about who is right rather than about what is right. And over and over and over again, your motives are then going to show up because that's how you're going to treat one another. You're going to provoke each other. You're going to envy each other. You're going to be in jealousy with one another. And Paul says you've got to be careful because when you become, like he said, you become conceited. What does he mean? You become conceited with your ego. You become conceited with who you are rather than what the Spirit of God wants to do. He says if you're not careful, you're going to start provoking and challenging people to war with one another. And it's a dangerous place to live. To challenge, because he says these are the fruits that you will produce. The, latter, the, the first part of that list. Fits of rage. Sexual immorality. Jealousy. Discord. All these different things is what's going to produce if you wage war. Because it's what you're feeding. You can then become, like it says here, envying each other, which is jealousy in other words. Where you start to become threatened by people rather than just loving people. Paul says, let's grow and step with the Spirit every single day, laying down everything every single day and just asking Him, what is your instructions for me today? How can I love people better? How can I be a, a Spirit-led individual better today than I was yesterday? Because, Lord, it's who I am. It's what I've been called to do. Because Paul says, when you live that way, he will guide you into what is right every single time. Because you submit your ways to his ways, your traditions to his ways, your methods to his ways. And what your life actually becomes about is his mission. Not about methods, not about philosophies, but it becomes about his mission, which is to build his church, to make disciples. So that's how I operate in my brain. It's like, okay, I know when something needs a shift in my life or a method needs a shift is if it's not producing the disciples I want to see. It's not saying that the method and strategy I have didn't work. It's just saying, God, what are you doing next? And I just need to build on that. And it might just be a different way this time. Even though I may like a certain method or a certain way of doing things, it's how you and I live a spirit-led life. Laying down our methods, laying down our, our preferences, even at times laying down our freedoms and our rights. And saying, you know what? It's not about me. It's all about him. And if that's the way I'm going to build my life, Paul says, just to give you some examples, it is going to produce in you love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control. And he says, against those things, there is no law. When you live by the Spirit, it will produce the fruit in you that will be evident. Evident in you. This is why Jesus said, I made the connection, this is why Jesus said, people are going to know that you are my disciples based on how you love one another. Because he knew if you're spirit-led, it will be evident to all. Amen.
Amen. Let's stand this morning. I'm going to ask the uh, prayer teams to come up forward this morning. If you would like to receive prayer in just a moment, you can. There's a couple of different calls I can give to kind of help you if you want to pray, have somebody pray with you about these things. Uh, First off, if you're not a follower of Jesus Christ, I would encourage you today to make that decision to follow Jesus Christ. The Bible says when you call on the name of the Lord, you will be saved. These prayer partners, these prayer teams up here are going to help you in that decision that you make. But it's got to be your decision. I can't make it for you. They can't make it for you. You've got to take a step. And if you want to do that today, they will do that gladly. They will lead you in that moment because you need wisdom and how to step in this process. It's a, an amazing moment, but it's also a process that lasts for a lifetime. And so this is why we think it's so crucial that you do that. The second, I mean, you can, I can give you a couple other things. If you, need some, if you need the Spirit of God to guide you right now in a situation you're facing and you don't know, you need wisdom, I encourage you to come and, and just ask God to ask these people, hey, can you pray with me over this situation? If you want to be specific, fine. If you don't, that's fine too. We'll pray for you. Some of us, we just need the next instruction from God. We just need God, what is your instruction today? because I want to be spirit-led. It's not just a title, it's my life. So what is my instruction today, Lord? Because you want to do something new, and maybe I just need to remind myself to lay this, lay this situation or lay this area of my life down again, and again and again and again, because it's a daily decision. And this morning, as we dismiss, if you would like to come forward, even after dismissal, the prayer teams will be up here. The music team will continue to play. And let's just ask the Lord. Say, Lord, today, help me to be spirit-led this week and just to remind myself every day what you desire to do. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. We thank you for the privilege it is to just worship you in this place. Lord, thank you for your biblical teaching that shows us what a spirit-led life looks like. It's not just a title. It is a lifestyle that we choose to live by. Lord, today, Lord, not only do we declare that we want to be people who live by the Spirit, but we want to be people who walk in step with the Spirit every single day. So, Lord, if there's areas of our life, and Lord, I know each and every one of us have them, has them, including my own, where we constantly have to just lay it at your feet, because, Lord, it's a struggle. Lord, it's difficult. Lord, it's, it's humbling. But, Lord, help us to lay those things down at your feet, the things that are not of you. Confess with our mouth, Lord, that we don't want these things in our life, that there are destructive behaviors or or things that we choose to do. Father, I pray that we would confess those things to you and lay it at your feet so that we can continue to grow in the ways of the Spirit and not in the ways of the flesh. Lord, let us be a church that's united, Spirit-led into the calling that you have placed upon Grace Assembly of God. Let us be a light to our community and to the people we encounter. Let our fruit of the Spirit be evident to all. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said amen. Amen.